Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are finishing up the book of Joel today, a Mm -hmm. two-part episode series. Yeah, it's like a two-part introduction, really, because it's just, there's not a, there's only three chapters. There's only three chapters. There's only three chapters. Yeah, so uh, last week we talked about the first one and a half chapters. You know, we talked about chapter one and most of chapter two, and we talked about how Israel has experienced um, a day of the Lord. And it was a, a past event that is in, re, in Israel's recent past where a plague of locusts completely devastated their land. And they are asking questions why this is happening. And Joel comes to them and says, this is the day of the Lord. Like God has brought judgment on you, but don't just like look backwards. This should cause you actually to look forward because another day of the Lord is coming and it's going to be worse and it's going to yeah. be more judgment. And so he calls them to repent, to rend their hearts and not their garments and return to the Lord with their whole heart, and who knows, maybe the Lord will relent from the disaster that he has planned. Yes. Is that a decent synopsis? It's a great synopsis. And the last half of the book of Joel is God responding in mercy. Right. We do, and they will know. And they will know, and they (laughs) do know in this this passage that God will be merciful. Um, We said at the the top of the last episode, like, why is Joel important for Mm us? It's because you're not gonna understand. The book of Joel adds to our understanding why Jesus comes twice. Right. Why does he come once on the cross and again at the end of time? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of confusing. It is confusing. But Joel gives us really helpful categories here. Mm. He has for, given us two different sets of two different days of the Lord. Right. You have a past day of the Lord's judgment with the locust plagues mm-hmm. and a future day of the Lord's judgment with something that looks like locust, but it's far worse than locust. Right. And we're about to read a coming near day of the Lord's mercy where he's going to undo all the chaos and devastation caused by the locust, but a future day of the Lord's mercy that's going to go far beyond that and recreate the world into the Garden of Eden. Okay. Let me repeat that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... There are two days of the Lord's judgment, and those are in like the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. And then there are two days of the Lord's mercy, and they are in the second half of the book. The two days of the Lord's judgment, one looks back to the locust, and the other looks forward to a bigger day of the Lord's judgment. Mm-hmm. But the people repent and lament. And so that future day that was going to be judgment for Israel turns into the day of the Lord's mercy, and it's mm-hmm. near. Yes. And we're going to talk about what that is. But then you're saying that after that day of mercy, all the things that are in there get ratcheted up to a bigger day of the Lord's mercy farther out in the future. Yes. Okay. That's what I probably didn't say it any more clear, but maybe if we both say it <laughs> once, it'll get caught. That's my <laughs> logic on everything. I don't know if I did it right the first time, but I'm going to try it again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the first day of the Lord's mercy is this, chapter 2, verse 18. After the people repent, then the Lord became 
jealous for his land or uh, for, uh, the guys of the Bible Project translate passionate mm. for his land, like lovingly passionate for his land yeah. and had pity on his people. And the Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. Mm. Everything that was taken away by the locusts will be returned to them. Yeah. All that, the sacrifices can start up at the temple again. The drunks can get drunk again. Hey, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what God's doing. That's he's, what God's doing. He's reopening the breweries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why not? really funny. Wine uh, not. Why not? I see what you did there. And then even in chapter 22, fear not, you beasts of the field. Mm. Remember how all the beasts were panting because there was no more water? So he's even feeding the animals. He's even feeding the animals. Mm. The fig tree and the vine give their full yield. The Garden of Eden is returning to Israel. Right. He's giving early rain for your vindication. He's poured down for you abundant rain, early and latter rain, just like before. The oh, early man. rainy season and the latter rainy seasons. It's coming again. Um, the, the locusts will be cast out. The land will be replenished. And then 26 and 27, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of your Lord your God because he's dealt wondrously with you. And you, my people, shall never again be put to shame. Remember the, what they prayed in the end? part of the repentance was why should the nations say that we're no longer loved by God? Right. And he's saying that shame is ended. Mm. Yeah. We, yeah. We were going to be a byword among the nations. Mm -hmm. We were going to be put to shame publicly, but mm -hmm. now we will never be put to shame. Yes. Okay. And you shall know that I am in the middle of you in the midst of Israel mm. and that I am the Lord, your God, and there's none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Wow. So he says, okay, guys, you're going to know. All the things that took, were taken away from you with the locusts are going to come back. The mm. grain, the wine, the oil, the pasture lands, the locusts are going to be brought away. And I, you'll know that I'm in your middle. Right. In, in your middle. In your middle. <laughs> I'm in your middle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, so not only is everything restored like the Garden of Eden, uh, God says he will be there too like the Garden of Eden. That's so right. like really, like this is... This is getting good. This is getting really, really good. Okay. The shame is that, and even the word shame mm. ties back to the Garden of Eden. They were naked oh. and not ashamed. Right, but then they were. They knew they were naked and they felt shame. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the if Israel was starting to look like the Garden of Eden, the locusts and the judgment of the day of the Lord uh, was like another fall. Mm -hmm. Right, another Genesis three, and everything was terrible. Another curse, Thor yeah, another yeah. Course, th curse, course, course, uh, thorns and thistles and everything. But now God is saying, like, I'm coming to you in your thorns and thistles mm -hmm. and in your curse, and I'm reversing those things and bringing you back into um, an Edenic state and a Garden of Eden. Yeah. Okay. So the so in this and so up to chapter two, verse twenty seven, functionally everything that happened the first day of the Lord is now restored. Okay. That's what he's promising to do. Okay. And then in chapter ch chapter 2, 28. Yeah, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward. Yeah. So this is not the same day of the Lord. No. This is something that happens after that. Yeah, so just like he did in 2, 1, mm -hmm. or chapter 2, where he said, um, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. Is coming. Is coming. Yes. It is near. We see it again, and it shall come to pass afterwards that day of the Lord's mercy, a new day of the Lord's mercy. Mm -hmm. And then he does what he did in the first half. He ratchets up 
all the promises. He promised that the enemies would be go, go away, the northerners, the northern locusts would be pushed away, right. that the land would be restored, and that its presence would be with him. Well, he starts with his presence. Mm. He promises the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about that. Okay. He promises the enemies will be pushed away in uh, the chapter 3 for a long time in this place called the Valley of Decision. Mm. And then he ends with a renewed Garden of Eden. Right. He, he parallels all the promises of mercy in the first day with a future day where all those things are restored exponentially beyond mm. their wildest imaginings. Okay. So that's what's happening. Okay. All the uh, escalated, nasty future plagues mm-hmm. get transformed into giant, beautiful blessings. That's right. The locusts, the, the locusts that look like horse horses become pretty unicorns that you can ride over rainbows. That's exactly okay. right. That's exactly the image you should have. And the good things the Lord's going to do to reverse the locust plague mm-hmm. are all going to be amplified. It's not just that now the curse, the the worst escalated possible vision of the locust is reversed. Mm. It's also that the first wave of promises mm-hmm. uh, is like is washed over with a second wave of even more escalated promises. Mm. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, he's not only fixing the what happened with the locusts. Mm-hmm. Like that that's step one. And he's not even just doing battle with the hyper locusts. Right. Yeah, he is he is doing more than we could ask or imagine yes. to use New Testament language. That's okay, right. I get that. Cool. So yeah, so let's talk about the promises of that coming day of the Lord. Yeah, so okay, so there's uh, just to list them so I can get my head around where we're going here. There's the Holy Spirit, which is a gigantic topic. Yes. Um there is the judgment in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Mhm. Okay. And the promise of the new Eden. The promise of the new Eden. Are those are the three that we need to talk yeah, about. That's those. Are the did I do it? You did it. I did it. The the shortest one is actually the promise of the new Eden. It's okay, almost okay. like two verses. So want to go backwards? So let's go backwards. Chiasms. It's so it's so good <laughs> to be able to go backwards. He says, in verse seventeen and eighteen, and this is how you'll know that I'm the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. In that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine, mm. and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. You know what I was just reminded of? What? Like the like a Coors Light can. It's like yeah. beer mountain, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. like a wine mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why I thought of that. This, uh, this is just commercials, man. Commercials. They're just seeping they're into your... Me. They're your new Torah. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> James K. Smith was right. Everything's a liturgy. That's a deep cut for That's, the yeah, nerds out there. If you, if you haven't read James K. Smith's book, you totally quick, should. Quick plug. Um... But that's also just a repetition of the promised land. Yes. The land will flow with milk and honey. Flow with milk and honey. But now they're just flowing with milk and honey. The mountains are dripping with wine. Yeah. The it, hills are... The hills yeah, are... It's like, yeah. it's like... Does that mean like the snow caps of the mountains in the new Eden are like frozen grapes or <laughs> frozen fermented grapes and they're like thawing and making like mountain stream water of Merlot's? Whatever you need it to be, David. <laughs> Whatever Eden looks like to you, that's probably It's my Eden. truth. That's your truth. It's my journey. <laughs> um, I think it's probably like the Garden of Eden yeah. is called a mountain sometimes throughout the Old Testament. Oh, right. Yes. It's a high place where, where heaven and earth come together. And so you have at the top of the mountain, the divine orchard. The, the heavenly orchard yeah and then from the divine orchard the, all this blessing and it's not presence. just water it's also milk and wine anything yeah. that you want mm. and anything you could desire is there flows from the mountain of the lord yeah like a like a mountain stream yes freely so what god is promising is man i'm gonna restore the oil and the wine and the mm-hmm, grain that mm-hmm. got destroyed 
And then one day I'm going to remake the world. So yeah. you're not even going to have to grow it anymore. Yeah. It's just going to flow from the heavens. That's amazing. And like what's what I love about this is this is not a like some kind of like prophetic waxing where it's just like, you know, like when Israel gets restored, you know, let me just amplify it and make it yeah. sound cooler than it's actually going to be, you know, yeah. like, oh, your birthday party's going to blow your mind. You know, it's going to be like, you know, anyway, yes. I don't have any good illustrations, but like this is really going to happen. Like Jesus like in Revelation, this all gets mm -hmm. picked back up. Yeah. And when Jesus returns on the final day of the Lord's mercy and judgment, um, the new heaven and earth come together and the new Eden is restored and all these images get picked back up and we will literally live in a remade perfect world with God where it's like there are mountains flowing with wine and honey. Yes. Read Revelation 21 and 22 yes. and you'll see all this garden imagery picked back up again and amplified and exploded and it's, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. Joel is describing what it's going to be like when the Second day of the Lord's mercy finally comes. Yeah, and and let's and like I think something to to stop and think about there is this is also really good news for the people who originally heard it. Like imagine being surrounded by desolation, having nothing. Like it still sounds like good news to us, mm -hmm. you know, to like have this new renewed city with you know flowing streams and milk and honey, even whenever we can go to a grocery store and get whatever we want. Yes. But imagine like having nothing and dying of starvation and knowing that this was in your future. It would sound so much better, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just reminded of like um, how Paul talks about future hope. Like when we hope in Jesus's second coming, he actually goes so far as to say that by this hope, hoping in Jesus's second coming, we are saved. That like our salvation is tied up in our enjoyment and expectation of this day. And um, he, he talks about how, like, uh, in Romans 8, he talks about how he doesn't even consider it's worth, like, it, it worth comparing his present suffering, you know, the locust plague that he's going mm -hmm. through in his day, whatever that might be, to, like, the joy and garden blessings that's yeah. coming. Like, it's not even worth making a, a comparison. Mm. Like, it's not like, well, this is bad, but this is going to be so much better. No, that does damage to how good it's going to be to even compare it, you know, like, yeah. to how bad things are now. So, anyway, it's just, like... The, the, like some of the fuel, so much of the fuel of the Christian life hmm. comes from meditating on this future city, this future garden, yeah. and just longing for it. I think even just discovering the idea of a garden mm. as heaven rather mm. than heaven as heaven. Oh, like some clouds and harps. Man, like it's been so good for me to be even think about like, I've tried to grow tomatoes for like four years. Yes. <laughs> and it's just so hard. And I'm in my backyard, I've got a sprinkler system. And yeah. it's like so hard yeah. to grow tomatoes. S sage is my downfall. Sage, um, my, all so my finicky. rosemary died. Oh yeah. With, with the, like the minus 10 degrees. Oh yeah. Definitely. So anyway, but I'm like that earthiness of like, mm -hmm. how can I get rosemary to survive? Right. The hills will one day drip with rosemary. Rosemary oil. Rosemary oil oh. is going to fall from the sky. It's going to be in the heavenly orchard. Like that has done so much for my imagination of heaven. Yes. Not like a disembodied, like soulish state forever. Right. But like a ground that produces its fruit. Yeah. Tr the tomatoes that I can actually taste and they'll yeah. just wither and then get eaten by bugs. And if and if my mom is listening to this, there's other things than tomatoes. My she mom hates, like, she hates, tomatoes. <laughs> she hates tomatoes. Grapes, figs, <laughs> whatever. Pomegranates, cheeseburger, whatever. Cheeseburger. <laughs> cheeseburger plants. <laughs> 
That's just done a lot for me because it, it makes heaven physical. Yes, because it is. It will be a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revelation twenty one twenty two talks about how the like God will destroy the old heaven and the old earth. I think we're comfortable with the idea of God like consuming earth, you know, like swallowing up earth or destroying mm-hmm. earth. Like, yeah. yeah, it's Armageddon and everything. Yeah. But it's like it actually says in the same sentence that he'll destroy his own house. Heaven will be destroyed, which is like the invisible where he where he is, is right now, and yeah. he will make the two one. That's what the Garden of Eden is: is where heaven and earth come together. Mm. And so the future is, and that was always the plan that God would live in an embodied world with His people, and like that's what heaven is: mm-hmm. is living here on a remade earth with God. Like yeah. that. I mean, I I don't know how old I was when that shifted. Probably yeah. like late high school, college, or yeah. something. That changed my life. It's a big deal. I, I've been trying to talk about this with my kids. Yeah. And I felt like a good dad <laughs> the day that my son Shiloh talked about his brother Reuben who mm-hmm. passed away. And he's like, man, I'm just really excited to have a guy's night with Reuben. Oh, and he was like, gosh. I want to go to the creek with Reuben. I want to mm. go play in the pool with Reuben. And then maybe we can go get ice cream and then go eat burgers. I'm like... We could yes. do all that. Yes. <laughs> it was like such a sweet moment of like, oh. that is more of what heaven will be like yeah. than anything else I, <laughs> that I've understood at five years right. old. Right, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. I think I remember like wanting like comic books and just having a stack of them. Like, yeah, it's not about that. Right. Anyway, I was just, oh, it's so I good. was happy with my, my son's perception oh, of heaven. so beautiful. Yeah. So that's the, the first promise. That's a good of, one. Of the, like that, that uh, Jill, the third promise that Jill mentions. Right. The first one we so the about. second one, let's, if, we're, if we're walking backwards, yeah. is that God's going to come. He's going to gather all nations into this place called Jehoshaphat, which, which is the Valley of Decision. Is that right? Well, it means Jeho, Jehu, it uh-huh. means God. Okay. Yeah. And so it means Yahweh has judged. God, okay. Yahweh has judged. God has judged. So it's so. a valley. It's a plain. It's an area called mm-hmm. God has judged. It's God's courthouse? Um, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then later on, he calls it the Valley of Decision. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, in 14, for the day of the Lord is near, in the Valley of Decision. Oh, I see it. And there's multitudes and multitudes of people mm-hmm. all gathered together, and God talks about how he will judge the nations. So this yeah. day of the Lord that's coming, this future giant merciful day of the Lord that's coming, is still a day of judgment. It is still a day of judgment. But not for God's people. Not for God's people. Verse 4 is really interesting. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you're paying me back, I'll return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. So God's being sarcastic Mm. with the nations of the world that have uh, been hostile to him. So think about the the ancient mind that believed that their nation was tied to their God. Mm -hmm. And if you could destroy another nation, you could destroy another God. Right. So part of the boasts that you can read of ancient kings is like, our God be your God. Yep. And that's we have some stories of that in scripture. Yes. Where it's like, our gods are more powerful than, than your gods. You should submit to us. Right. And so God is using that language and say, okay, you're hostile to me. Mm-hmm. Do you really think you're going to win that battle? Right. I let you win the first time. Mm-hmm. A day, if you really want to prove you're better than me, Get ready for that battle because you'll have a chance to prove it. Mm. So it's like it's like these enemy nations have set themselves up against God. Yes. They have proclaimed their hostility towards God. They've proclaimed their superiority over God. And they believe that if they and God got in a tussle, they would actually win because they think they have some victories on their side. Mm-hmm. 
and then God say, okay, we're going to have it out in a place called the Valley of Decision. Mm. And we'll see who walks out alive. <laughs> <laughs> let's, and, let's solve this out back. <laughs> and he, verse 9, proclaim this among the nations, Israel. Consecrate for war. He's saying, mm. okay, nations, get ready for war. Right. God's ready to battle you. You he's, said you wanted to fight. You want to flex? <laughs> he's ready for you. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. This is actually a reverse, a reverse. of Micah right. when he says that Israel will beat their swords into plowshares. Right. So while Israel's experiencing rest. From, right, because they don't need weapons anymore, so all they need is farming equipment. But all the enemies of the world. Have to turn their farming equipment into weapons. <laughs> and, the, and the last one, That's let clever. the weak say, I'm a warrior. He's like, bring we on need ev everybody. You need everybody. Even the weaklings are going to have to come fight. Yes. Okay. And he, and then essentially they come to fight in this this massive battle, those mm -hmm. that are hostile to the Lord, and they lose. And they lose. And they lose. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. This is the same language utters his voice from mm. when Jesus, when, Jesus, when God was leading the plague of locusts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the heavens and earths quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to his people. Right. And, and that, it, yeah. And it even uses the same language here. The sun and moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. Yes. The same language used to describe when um, the day of the Lord's judgment was coming. Mm -hmm. But now it's being used to describe a day of the Lord's mercy towards Israel's people. So right. It's still a day of judgment towards the enemies. This goes yes. all the way back to our first podcast. We talked right. about Egypt when the plague of locusts against Egypt mm -hmm. was actually the, the way in which Israel was saved. Mm -hmm. You had to have both happening. Right. Um, and it's happening right here. Yeah. And yeah, and, and yet he's, because he says in the middle of it to, to like double down on that, he says, like you just read in 16, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. This goes to one of the most famous passages in Joel uh, where he says um, in, let's see, 32, chapter 2, 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the mm -hmm. Lord calls. Mm -hmm. And so um, God's saying like, yes, I'm going to come and we're, I'm going to bring all nations into this valley of decision. We're going to have it out. Yep. But if you call on my name, mm -hmm. if you've done this thing we've talked about, lamenting and repenting, yeah, you'll be saved. And I, I, when I come to like actually do it, do this battle for real, you call my name. I won't be yeah. a terror to you. I'll be a stronghold and a refuge, a safe place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so all this language, so this Joel's describing this coming day of judgment, mm -hmm. the valley of decision. All this language is picked up in Revelation. Yes. Uh, it's the Valley of Armageddon. Right. Um, even the images of a blast of the trumpet that's used here mm -hmm. is used in First Corinthians, First Thessalonians, and Revelation to describe the coming day of the Lord's judgment. The the use of the um, uh, the the darkening sun is yep. used in Luke 21, Revelation 8. Jesus also uses it in Matthew. The shaking of the earth and heavens to describe the coming of the day of the Lord, which is here in Joel is also used in the book of Hebrews. Mm. Uh, like uh, the locust army again is used there. All this judgment gets picked up again in Revelation. Yeah. Joel is describing what the New Testament describes when it talks about the final day of the Lord's mercy towards Israel mm. that is simultaneous with the Lord's judgment of Israel's enemies. Mm -hmm. and that's going to happen on that final day. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what that's what's happening. That's what's happening there. I mean, like even in Jesus's earthly ministry, he seems to pick up on some of this stuff. Like I'm reminded of like some of his parables about the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like the parable of the ten virgins. 
Yeah. Right. The the bridegroom comes back and half of them are ready and half of them aren't. And so those who aren't ready are left out. Those who are ready are brought in. You know, it's like uh, or the parable of the sheep and the goats. You mm-hmm. know, the sheep who have cared for the poor and the needy around them are brought yeah. in. The goats who have not, who are the nations, quote unquote, are left out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. this is all going to happen yeah. again. And G- Jesus talked about it. He did. And I think the important thing, I think, okay, we're like glossing over a lot of just judgment language. Yeah. We're taking for granted the fact that God's going to come like a plague of locusts <laughs> and just wipe out his enemies in a place called the Valley of Decision. Right. I think the reason why I doubled down on the sarcastic nature of mm. the nation's response mm-hmm. is because nobody is in that battle that doesn't want to be. Right. Totally. This day of the Lord's judgment that's coming against Israel and God's enemies, they've chosen which side of the battle they want to be on. Mm-hmm. And they're boasting about it. They're, they're, they're confident that they're on the winning side and that God either doesn't exist or he's not powerful enough to stop the march of their culture and their, their way of life. Right. So like, I wanted to just say that out loud because, like, oh man, like that's not what's happening. Like we're not, we're not like th- those that are against the Lord isn't a passive posture of people. It's an active right. hostility against God. Yeah, as soon as they heard that God was coming to battle, they were like, great, let me get my uh, rake out of the garage and turn it into a uh, cat of nine tails. Or, you know, they're like, yes. like let, me, let me fix this yeah. problem. So I just want yeah. to name that totally. here and set, help you guys read Revelation to mm. like, it's like not, not God's, God's not just like looking for an opportunity to get even with people. He's like, he's coming against people who have actively chosen to do battle against him. Yeah, yeah. But here's something else that I okay. want to think about. As right. we transition to the first promise, mm-hmm. the promise of the Spirit, Yeah, that's an interesting one because Peter in Acts 2 says that happened when Jesus died or like right after Jesus yeah, died. Yeah, right after Jesus died. So like Je- right. The Spirit comes not at the end of time. Right, but 50 the- days after Jesus' death. Right. Right. And so even this idea of the day of the Lord's mercy and judgment happening against Israel's enemies, mm-hmm. there's also a sense that that happens in Jesus's death too. Totally. And we talked about at the beginning or the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. how the day of the Lord's Edenic recreation mm-hmm. also happens now too. Right. Right. When Jesus is caring for the poor and feeding people and healing people like that Edenic reality comes in a first day of the Lord, right? He right? says, like, when John asks, John the Baptist asks mm-hmm. to, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he is the Messiah, right? If if the kingdom of God that everyone was looking forward to has come. Is this the day of the Lord? Yep. And he says, here's your answer. The poor are being taken care of, right? The hungry are being fed, you know? Like, that is proof that the kingdom of God is coming mm-hmm. because Eden is starting to come back in Yeah. already, here and now. Okay, I get that. Yeah, so the reason I, I bring that up is because I think it's interesting that Jesus imagines Tuesday, two days of the Lord. Right. Imagine his own ministry and prophetic work as two days of the Lord in the same way that Joel has imagined it. Right, there is yeah. a day of the Lord's mercy that's happening now, mm-hmm. and then a future day of the Lord that is coming at the end of time. Yes, and then Jesus also has a day of the Lord's judgment that's happening now, mm-hmm. and a future day of the Lord's judgment that's coming then. Right. And so I think... It's appropriate for us. And I think the fact that the promise of the Spirit happens 50 days after mm-hmm. Jesus dies, it invites us to realize that there's two days of the Lord. Yeah. The reason why, and this goes back to like, so why two days? Yeah, why did Jesus come twice? Why did Jesus come twice? 
And I was, I think the answer is because there's only one way, like this way, two days of the Lord is how God's punishment of injustice and his mercy towards his own Mm -hmm. is best seen. Yeah. I don't think if there was one day of the Lord's justice and mercy in Jesus, that we would know mercy to the same extent and we would know justice to the same extent. Mm. And we need both. Yeah. There's a lot of wickedness and evil that's been stacked up against the world. Yeah. And if Jesus would have come once, I, I don't know this, Yeah. but my guess is that we would not experience that as just as if there are two, d- unless there's two days. Right. And God's mercy wouldn't be as merciful towards us mm. unless there's two days. Right. There would be less sin for God to judge, so he would seem less just. Not that he would see, um, seem unjust, mm-hmm. but he'll get more glory coming when he when he comes a second time than if he had only come once. Yeah. And there will be more sin for him to forgive, and so he'll seem more gracious, mm-hmm. be seen as more gracious than if he came once. Is that what you're saying? I think so. I, that's at least part of what I'm saying. Okay. Because um, I don't know another answer. Mm. Because like... Why, like, because like, so I, I said like, we have a definitive answer to this. That's why you should listen to the podcast. <laughs> and I, and I don't know if scripture ever does. No, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, uh, obviously it's that he, one, I, I mean, I think one main answer of why Jesus came twice is to save the nations hmm. because Jesus didn't just come to Jerusalem. He came to Jerusalem and then he sent his people out to be Edenic oh. salvation gardeners in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Because the valley of decision is not just, okay, sorry, all nations besides Israel, you're judged. Mm-hmm. Now in Armageddon, in the final valley of decision, nations, the nations actually have a chance to be saved. They can now call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come, hmm. the New Testament says. And so if Jesus just came and the day of the Lord was done, only a very small amount of people would be saved. But the scriptures also say that God desires all people to be saved. Interesting. Because and so this gap allows that to happen. So Joel is only written to Israel. Right. We kind of forget that yes. we just put ourselves in the place of Joel too right. quickly. But I'm a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're worse. You're Italian. I'm no, a, I'm just I, <laughs> I mean, I'm closer to the Mediterranean than you, buddy. That's true. I'm Irish. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> No, that's true. I yeah. hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. There's a day, the day of the Lord's justice and mercy has come for Israel and Jesus. Yes. The one that's prophesied here, really finally reality right there in Jesus. Right. And he even says like, I've only come to the lost sheep of Israel. I've yeah. not come for the Gentiles. The Syrophoenician woman mm-hmm. in Mark comes to Jesus and tries to get healed. And he says, I've not come for you. Mm. You know, it's like it, he was for his, he was here for Israel. And so it's not until the day of Pentecost when uh, the disciples are anointed with the Holy Spirit to take the message of Jesus out to the rest of the world, hmm. that salvation could go to the nations. Yeah. And so it's like, if there was only one coming of Jesus, the world would not be saved. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that answer before I asked it? I did. I did not. Uh, Acts 1-8. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my ace in the hole. I use it for a lot of different things. <laughs> Well, we've already been teeing up then the first promise that yes, that exactly um, the, the the big Kahuna we've been yeah. holding back on, and it shall come to pass afterwards. Or as Peter says, 
Today. Today, yeah. <laughs> that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions on your male and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and mm. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. And he goes on. And yeah. all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. I mean, this is an unprecedented promise for this time. I mean, to think that like he's talking to people who have no access to God, right? Because they they can't even bring, yeah. they don't even have like grain to bring an offering to God, you know? So like their access to God has been severely maimed. Mm -hmm. And um, even like in like a third party remote location, like the temple, you know, yeah. it just, they feel far from God. They feel abandoned by God. Uh, but now he's saying like, okay, that spirit of mine that's in the temple, my mm -hmm. presence mm -hmm. is going to be poured out like wine from a mountain <laughs> on all flesh. And I'm not just talking about, you know, people like Joel or Moses right. or Abraham. I'm talking about your, your slaves, mm -hmm. your servants. They're going to have Yahweh's presence in them. Hmm. Like, yeah. That's a mind-blowing promise. Right. And even God in the middle of Israel yes. just meant God in Back the tabernacle. Back in the temple. Yeah, exactly. He, Jerusalem's the center of the country. Mm -hmm. God's physically in the center of the country. Yep. No, he's going to be the center of us. Right. He's going to be in our middle. I said it. He's going to be in our middle. <laughs> exactly in, right. In yeah. us. So, I mean, again, this is what, what Seth's been saying. Like, this is like a ratcheting up mm -hmm. of like, okay, yes, it was good news in the first day of the Lord's mercy that God would come to the temple. Let's ratchet that up. What if God dwelt in every human who trusted in him? What if there were millions of mm. temples walking around that God lived inside of? Mm. Like, oh, well, you could have Eden everywhere. Yeah. You could you could be building the Garden of Eden everywhere. The kingdom could come everywhere. Like, God could go to the nations. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good idea, God. Like, we and should that's, do that. We should do that. <laughs> and that's the promise that Joel lays out here. Mm. Um, and that as these people go with the spirit in them, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. And like, mm -hmm. that's what Peter says happens in the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes on the disciples of Jesus in the upper room. They start sharing the gospel. People are cut to the heart. Mm -hmm. They're rending their hearts and uh. not their garments. And he says, what should we do to be saved? You know, and, and he says, Exactly what Joel says. Repent and lament. <laughs> Repent yeah. and be baptized, every one of you, yeah. and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, and then what happens? Three thousand people are saved, and then the gospel the gospel goes to the nations. Mm -hmm. Man, that's good news. Yeah. And For now, like, there's temples in sub-Saharan Africa and Oklahoma, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's yes. temples in Hong Kong and Brazil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Temple it's of God amazing. is everywhere. Um. My mind's kind of blown by that. I did not thought about the physical reality of the day of the Lord's mercy and judgment happening in Jesus for Israel mm -hmm. as a Kickstarter for the day of the Lord's mercy and judgment for the nations. Yeah, I kind of forget. I just read myself into Israel totally so fast. Yeah, it's. I mean, yes, that's. I do it too. Yeah, that I hadn't really realized how powerful it is to separate myself from Israel for a moment. Yeah, and realize, oh, because God was faithful to Israel. Mm. Now he can be faithful to me. Yeah, um, yeah. We're Cornelius in Acts ten. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're not is not we're not even Israel in Acts two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, <sighs> mm. 
Well, I don't have anything else to say. This I wish feel- you guys had a front row seat to what I have right now, just <laughs> sitting here looking at Seth's mind be blown and heart be blessed by scripture. It's a very nice sight. Um, yeah. Calling on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Yeah, that's uh, that's good news. It's good news. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Whenever God calls Abraham and mm, says, I will use you to right. bless the nations. Do you know what Abraham does? He goes to the altar mm. and he calls on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And that's how the whole Israel project started. Wow. It was by somebody calling on the name of the Lord. And throughout the whole New Testament, Paul, Peter, most of the epistle writers will use, or many of the epistle writers will use, calling on the name of the Lord as the way that Gentiles are included in the Abrahamic faith mm-hmm. and that all people will be saved, experience the judgment of their sin on the cross and the mercy of the new Eden coming when Jesus comes again. Yeah. The good news for us is this in Ro- Romans 10. If you ever got walked through the, the famous Roman road. This is where it ends. This is where it ends. <laughs> the, va- the, the, the valley of decision is right here. Yeah. <laughs> Make, but you're the one who makes the decision. Uh, Romans 10, 9. Uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, which is what mm-hmm. Joel, you know, told people to do, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, and then and then down in verse uh, 14, I think. Let me see here. It's it's here. It's It quotes Joel. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing yeah, it. No, no, okay. But it does quote Joel, and it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. And it's like, this is really good news for us that, like, how can I be saved, right? How can I escape, the like, the day of judgment that's yeah. going to come? Like, okay. How can I be part of the day of mercy? Right. How can I be part of the day? Like, like okay, Seth and David, I get it. I need to look around in the world, see the brokenness of everything from political fracturing to hurricanes to the flu and know that like man the world's broken and that's supposed to point me forward to god's judgment's coming i get it but how do i escape that Mm -hmm. like how do i be a part of israel (laughs) like how do i you know get yeah get on god's side of this battle that's coming how do i know yeah and and yeah and how can we know Mm -hmm. call in the name of the lord just yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 repent, lament, and call. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's crazy how um that is the go- good news mm-hmm. of the Old Testament. Yep, it is. A lot of us think the Old Testament's good news was obey the law. Oh, right. And then you'll be saved. Mhm. No. 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 Repent for your sins mm-hmm. through sacrifice. Yeah. Obey the Lord and call on him. Call on him. Have faith. Have faith. Seek the Lord with all your heart, Joel says. Rend your heart, not your yeah, garment. God just wants your heart. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants you he wants your love. He wants your trust. God just wants you to trust him mm-hmm. above everything else. And then we haven't even talked about prophesying. And then you'll get to prophesy. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. Ed broadcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing though, that like along with the Holy Spirit comes this promise that we're going to see visions and dream dreams and prophesy, which means like uh, saying the words that God says. Which is interesting because Peter, when people are speaking in the languages of other people, mm-hmm. he calls that prophecy, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So like, that's not, in my mind, like that's the speaking in tongue stuff Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians, right. 13, 1 Corinthians yeah, 12, yeah, yeah. not this. But I think what he's doing is he's pulling all the way back to the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. which is, bear with me for a second. 
But why was the day of the Lord coming? Why is, who's coming into the valley of decision on that last day? People who think they know better than God. Think, people who think they're, who are pridefully setting themselves up against God's mm-hmm. kingdom and saying they are superior to the one who created the world. Oh, I understand. And that's, that was a sin. And all the way Babel. back at Babel, what was the sin? Yeah. They believed they could build their way to heaven and become gods themselves. Right. And so what does God do on that day of the Lord's judgment? Mm. He scatters the, their languages. So when the day of the Lord's mercy falls in Acts 2, mm-hmm. that day is reversed. Yes. The locust devastation of languages is undone yeah. by the power of prophetic tongues mm-hmm. to speak the gospel in all languages. Yeah. The good news that all can be saved who call. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think also like um, in, a, in a book like this where people are questioning like, what's up with these locusts? Why did all of this happen? How can we know if God will relent? And they're listening to a prophet to tell them what's going on, why is this happening, what will happen next? Yeah. And he's like, dude, a day's gonna come when you'll have direct access to God and you can ask him yourself. Mm. You won't need a prophet, you know, like, cause you'll have yeah. God within you to tell you, to, to like help you navigate, to walk by the spirit. You know, it goes back to some, some of the other major prophets that said like, um, that uh, in that day when people receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, they will no longer go to their neighbor and say, know the Lord, because my law will be written on their hearts. Mm-hmm. It's this whole idea that yeah. like the access to God that Israel experienced was always through a third party or a fourth party or a fifth party. <laughs> but like the good news of the Holy Spirit inside of us is we have direct access to God and he can show us things and speak to us and give us visions. And like, I mean, it's just good news that God yeah. talks to us. I feel like that's like something like prayer, mm-hmm. us talking to God and God talking back, right? Is like so normal. Like I know non-Christians who pray, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like a thing. Like there are neuroscientists who say pray. Praying and meditation does it something. Just It's just good for you, whether you believe in it or not, you know? So it's so like great. prayer is just, we, we're not blown away by it anymore. Mm. But like whenever it's talked about in Moses's day, Right? Yeah. Like when he goes to the tent of meeting and he talks to God as one man talks to another in the presence of God, he says, No one did that. In fact, the people would come outside of their tents to watch Moses do it and they would be blown away by it. Mm. And it's like that happens now billions of times over as Christians around the world just commune with God through the Holy Spirit. There's billions of tents of meeting now that the Holy Spirit dwells in and we have access to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is good news. Some good news. Anyway, I love that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's the book of Joel. All right. That's Joel. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Where are we going after this? Um, Obadiah. Obadiah. It's a one chapter book. So we'll be there for seven weeks. Seven weeks. One chapter. (laughs) No, we'll do one episode. We'll do one episode of Obadiah. That'd be great. Uh, But yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.